privilege to be among such great people this evening. What a blessing this week has been to Hannah and myself to be able to have the invitation to be here and to be able to come back and be with you again. And it's been very refreshing to me to be able to preach the gospel on consecutive days. This is the first time I've been able to do this since the COVID outbreak. And several things have been scheduled during that period of time, but most of those things were canceled. And this has been especially rewarding to me. And what a privilege it is to be able to preach the gospel. And I'm so thankful that you have given me the opportunity to do it again. And I think we've had a theme that has been very appropriate for what we need in the church, especially during this COVID period and following this COVID period. Amen. We all want to revive ourselves. We all want to rededicate ourselves. We all want to, quote, rebuild our congregations. And so this theme, what makes a great congregation, I feel like has been very appropriate and very important. On Sunday morning, we talked about thankfulness. The ingredient, or excuse me, the expression of a great congregation. That was during Bible classes. At worship, we talked about faithful attendance, the hub of a great congregation. In our afternoon service, we studied about forgiveness, the heart of a great congregation. And then last night, we talked about compassion, the ingredient of a great congregation. And I know all of us have been blessed by these studies from God's Word. Tonight, our lesson is entitled, A Willing Mind, The Attitude of a Great Congregation. I want to begin with a passage in the first chapter of the book of Isaiah. We all know that Isaiah prophesied about 700 years before Christ. And he prophesied to Judah, the southern kingdom, the Northern Kingdom Israel has already been taken into Assyrian captivity. Judah's progression in sin was much slower than the Northern Kingdom Israel. But nonetheless, Judah is headed in the wrong direction. And Isaiah is pleading with them to return to God before it's too late. And we all know that really within less than a hundred years following Isaiah's prophecy, they were taken into Babylonian captivity by Nebuchadnezzar. But he gave them a great ultimatum here in these two verses in Isaiah 1. Verses 19 and 20. And I want you to listen to this very carefully as we talk about a willing mind 
the attitude of a great congregation. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with a sword. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. <clears throat> now think about those two phrases and think about the contrast between them. If ye be willing and obedient, everything's going to be alright. But if ye refuse and rebel, then everything's not going to be alright. So we can see the importance of a willing mind, can't we? We can see how important it is for us to have this attitude. We must be people that have a willing mind when it comes to the things of God. Being a stubborn, self-willed person is a dangerous attitude. And maybe we should all pause and think about ourselves for just a moment. Are we willing and obedient? Do we have a willing mind toward the great things of God? Or are we stubborn? Are we hard-hearted? Are we people that do refuse and rebel? These are very important questions as we examine and evaluate ourselves. And so, we need to understand that having a willing mind is one of the great characteristics of the true people of God. Paul emphasized the importance of a willing mind to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 12, and he was talking to them about giving and emphasize that they should have a willing mind. They should want to give following the example of the churches of Macedonia. David told Solomon his son to serve God with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9. We see the importance of a willing mind in building both the tabernacle and the temple in Exodus chapters 35 and 36 and 1 Chronicles chapter 29. I want you to take your Old Testaments for just a moment and turn with me to Exodus 36. There is something in this passage that's really remarkable. But it is the result of having a willing mind. And this passage, of course, is talking about the building of the tabernacle. And this passage is looking at what the people gave 
for the building of the tabernacle. And their liberality was amazing. As a matter of fact, I want you to notice that they are restrained from giving because their willing minds actually caused them to give too much. Isn't that something? Caused them to give too much because they had a willing mind to do what Moses commanded them to do. I want to begin with verse 2. Listen. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiah and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even every one whose heart stirred him up to come into the work to do it. And they received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it withal. And they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. And all the wise men that brought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. And they spake unto Moses, saying, Now listen to this closely. The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. For the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. All because they had willing minds. Look what willing minds will do for the cause of God. Here we can see that their minds was on the work of the Lord. The same thing is true in 1 Chronicles 29. As a matter of fact, one of the statements David made was that I have set my affection to the house of my God. And so he made provision for the temple to be built by Solomon his son. He gave of his own for the temple to be built. And then he challenged the congregation of Israel to offer willingly. And they all rejoiced over the privilege to give for the building of the temple in Jerusalem. Look at that word willingly. It is so very important in the church for us to have willing minds. That should be our response to everything God tells us to do. And when we have willing minds, then we will build the church and we will have great congregations. See, nothing has changed. Doesn't matter whether you're talking about the tabernacle, the temple, or the church. 
we will never be greater than our willing mind. So how does a willing mind apply to us today? And there could be many answers, good answers given to this question. I want to look at three tonight. There must be a willingness to submit. There are a lot of people in our society that don't want to hear that word. That's refusing and rebelling that Isaiah talked about. We are to have so much respect for God that we submit to Him and the authority of His word. Yes, we must submit to God. One of the greatest passages in the Old Testament says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Why? Why should we fear God? Why should we keep His commandments? Why is this the whole duty of man? For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. When you fear God, you have such great respect for God that you don't want to do anything to displease Him. You have a willing mind for everything that He says and you submit to His authority out of the great respect you have for Him. In James 4 and verse 7, there are two great statements, and they go hand in hand. The first one is, submit yourselves therefore unto God. Submit yourselves to God. And then the second one is, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When you submit yourself to God, out of your great fear and respect for Him. When you have a willing mind to do that, the natural result is that you will resist the devil. And that's what we strive to do in our lives every day, isn't it? So there must be a willingness to submit to God. We also must submit to one another. We don't talk enough about the kind of respect the Bible teaches that we are to have for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. I've been preaching a long time now. And tragically and sadly, I've seen many members of the church be disrespectful toward other members of the church. I've seen members of the church hurt one another, speak evil of one another, treat one another with such Lack of respect. 
that the congregation was torn apart. We live in a society that is not respectful. And unfortunately, this attitude is having a great effect on the church. The ones of us that are older, we can remember how people respected one another in years gone by. And how there was a language that showed this kind of respect. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Even something as simple as, would you pass the biscuits, please? That really showed an attitude of submission toward one another. But today, it's not unusual to see members of the church speak to one another in very harsh, unkind ways not showing respect and not listening to good, sound, biblical advice. Paul simply said in Ephesians 5.21 submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. And see, when we have a willing mind to do that, we're going to have a great congregation because we're not going to tear one another apart. We're not going to hurt one another. We're not going to sow discord. We're not going to quarrel. We're not going to fight. We're not going to hate one another. But we're going to respect one another. And I'm going to treat you like you want to be treated and you're going to treat me like you want to be treated. And we're going to have a very special family as brothers and sisters in Christ. And this brings us to the third thing that I want to emphasize when we talk about there must be a willingness to submit. We must submit to our elders. In Hebrews 13 and verse 17, we have these words. Obey them that have the rule over you. That's our elders. That's our bishops. That's our overseers in our local congregations. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. As they that must give account. Our responsibility is to make the job of our elders easy 
joyful and not one of grief. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves as though they must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Have you ever known members of the church being a grief to the eldership? Because of their unwillingness to submit to them? Because they want to do things their way? That's what the change movement, which has hurt the church so much in recent years, has been all about. Overruling the authority of the elders, taking over elderships, showing a lack of obedience to elderships, not submitting to the elderships, putting so much pressure on the elderships that they would change their minds about things. This is so foreign to a willing mind to do exactly what God says which makes a great congregation. Submission Submission to God, submission to one another, submission to the elders who watch for our souls on a daily basis. They're trying to do what will take all of us to heaven. And we must respect their authority in the sight of God and have a willing mind of submission and obedience. See, a willing mind of submission will cause us to work together. Oh, that's so important. To that division-ridden congregation at Corinth, Paul said we are laborers together with God. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. We're not different. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're working together in this thing. But their problem was they had one group over here doing this, working against this group. They were not together. That was tragic in Corinth and it's tragic in any congregation today. And being willing to submit to God, one another, and the elders will cause us to be together. What great word. What a great word. To work together and be a great congregation. I want you to always remember in our congregations we must be together. We must never be divided. We must never sow discord. That brings us to our second point. A willing mind. The attitude of a great congregation. There must be a willingness to serve. What can I do? I want to be busy for the Lord. 
We'll work till Jesus comes. I want to have a willing mind of service. I want to take what ability God has given me and I want to use it in the lives of other people to help them, to bless them, to be a positive influence for Christ. Yes, there must be a willingness to serve. Dorcas, Phoebe, Priscilla, Aquila, Epaphroditus, and Gaius are all great examples of service. Let's take just a moment. And we talked some about Dorcas last night and what a great example she is in Acts chapter 9 of service. But let's read this passage together tonight and just re-emphasize how she had a willing mind that was using herself and her resources to do what she could for other people, including widows. Beginning with verse 36 of Acts 9, we have these words. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. Money or goods given to the poor in charity. Full of good works. I love that, don't you? And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lida was not a Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping. You know, people of service are missed when they are gone. Dorcas was missed. And all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. And turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And verse 42 says, And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. What a great woman who had a willing mind of service. Now let's go to Romans chapter 16 and look at another great woman, Phoebe. Romans 16, verses 1 and 2. Paul said, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church which is at Sincrea, that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a helper. She hath been a helper of many and of myself also. Do we need women in the church today like Dorcas and Phoebe? Obviously so. 
women that have a willing mind and are using themselves to help others, to be a blessing to those that are in need, to minister, to go about doing good, to express love and compassion and kindness. And in doing that, they are showing that they have a willing mind to be a servant of Jesus Christ. So we've seen two women. Now we see a married couple. Priscilla and Aquila. And notice what Paul says about them in verses 3 and 4. Greek, Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks. Look how sacrificial Aquila and Priscilla have been. And how they have helped Paul in carrying the gospel to the whole world, to every creature. Who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Here's this man and woman. Here's this wonderful Christian couple who have a willing mind and they are such a blessing to the church. That's the reason a willing mind is the attitude of a great congregation. Epaphroditus. What a name. But what a man. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. The church at Philippi had sent gifts. Some people call it a care basket. I think of something small when it comes to a basket. They had sent the things that Paul needed while he was a prisoner at Rome. And Epaphroditus is the one who had taken those things from Philippi to Rome. And in turn, when he came back to Philippi, he brought Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. But I want you to notice what happened while he was there at Rome and how Paul speaks about the service and the sacrifice and the dedication of this great man. Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 25. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, notice how he describes him. My brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger. And he that ministered to my wants. See, a willing mind causes you to serve. We see that with Dorcas. We see it with Phoebe. We see it with Aquila and Priscilla. And we see it with Epaphroditus. And Paul here says, He that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness, because that ye he had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. 
I send him therefore the more carefully that when you see him again, you may rejoice and that I may be the less sorrowful. Now listen, 29 and 30. Careful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ, you see what a, a willing mind will cause you to do? You will give yourself to the work of Christ. And that's what makes great congregations. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. Now turn with me to 3 John. And let's read about a man by the name of Gaius, who was John's friend. Gaius was a very familiar name in New Testament times. In the New Testament, we read of several men by the name of Gaius. For example, there was Gaius of Corinth. There was Gaius of Macedonia. There was Gaius of Derby. And here we have Gaius, John's friend. And I want you to notice what John says in verses 1, 5, and 6. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. You can see in this statement that he had shown special kindness and, give, and had given special help to traveling evangelists, to traveling preachers. We call them missionaries today. And how he had been such a help and blessing and support to them. He is assisting in the gospel being taken to every creature. Verse 6, which have borne witness of thy love before the church. See, that's what a willing mind causes you to do. You serve because of love. You remember Paul said, by love serve one another? That's what people who have a willing mind do. And here the love of Gaius was obvious which have borne witness of thy love before the church, whom thou, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. And so, these men and women are serving. They have a willing mind to serve. And they're having a great effect on the congregations where they are. They are making them great congregations in God's sight. And we must have a willing mind where we can do whatever we can with the ability that God has given us. You remember Mary in Mark 14 and verse 8? I love this statement that Jesus made about her. She was being criticized for taking that precious ointment that was so expensive and breaking it and pouring it on Jesus. And Jesus said she had done what she could and wherever the gospel is preached, this that Mary has done will be proclaimed. She hath done what she could. We are here with willing minds to do what we can as servants of Jesus Christ. And in doing that, we will build and maintain great congregations. We must never forget that. A willing mind of service will get everyone busy for Christ. 
And when everyone's busy for Christ, we build and maintain a great congregation. And that brings us now to our third area. Not only must there be a willingness to submit, a willingness to serve, there must also be a willingness to seek and save the lost. Brethren, if we're going to have great congregations, we've got to get back to living and breathing souls. We must care about lost souls. We must be moved and touched by the lost condition of other people. We must be willing to use ourselves to say and do everything we can to help others be saved from sin. This was the top priority of the first century church. When our brethren in Jerusalem had to flee because of persecution, we're told in Acts 8 and verse 4 that they went everywhere preaching the word. The statements made about Paul and Silas at Thessalonica in Acts 17 and verse 6 that they turned the world upside down for Christ. And in Acts 17 and verse 16 when Paul was at Athens, Greece and he saw that city given to idolatry his heart was stirred within him. He had a willing mind, a willing heart. He said, I must preach to these people about the God of heaven so they can be saved from sin. And so when you get to the book of Colossians, he tells us that the gospel had been preached to every creature under heaven. They had a willing mind to seek and to save the lost. And because of that willing mind, they took the gospel to every creature of their day. You say, what can I do? You can do what you can. That's important. Doing what you can. That's all God expects of you. But if you have a willing mind, then you will do what you can to help others to be saved from sin. There's so many things that are simple. You can send a text. You can ask someone to listen to a sermon on Facebook or YouTube. You can keep good literature on hand and you can hand that literature to other people and ask them to read it. You can invite someone to come to worship. There are so many things today that we can do if we just have a willing mind. God is saying, do what you can. Do what you can. Have a willing mind. Don't be a person that never prays about the lost and never thinks about the lost. But have a willing mind. This must be our top priority today. And the Great Commission is not changed, has it? Jesus is still saying, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned or shall be condemned. Mark. 16, 15, and 16.
A willing mind to seek, speak, and teach will convert souls and grow a great congregation. A willing mind of submission, service, and seeking and saving the lost is the great need of every congregation. Let each one of us examine ourselves and determine that we will have willing minds. The results will be amazing. A willing mind built a tabernacle and temple. A willing mind built a church in the first century. And a willing mind will build the church today. This is the reason a willing mind is the attitude of a great congregation. So brethren, let's be willing and obedient. Let's please not refuse and rebel. Again tonight, I have the privilege to extend the Lord's invitation. How's your mind doing? Can you honestly say that you have a willing mind? Toward everything God teaches in His Word. Are you like Cornelius? In Acts 10 and verse 33, he told Peter, We are all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Look at that willing mind of this man and his family and his near friends. Peter, just tell us what God would have us to do. And we'll do it. That's what makes a great congregation. And so let's all be willing and obedient. But if you've been refusing and rebelling, you need to change your attitude. Because that's a wrong attitude. And that hurts a congregation. And it destroys your soul. And it causes you to go to hell. And so have you repented and been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? To become a Christian, Acts 2.38. And can you honestly say, if you are a Christian, that you are faithful tonight? with that willing mind to do whatever God says. I want to thank you for listening to me tonight. And I want to tell you how much I appreciate you being here. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, please do so as we stand and sing.